Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 1, and we'll learn three things, how not to make God mad, how to make Him happy, and to take God seriously, and how that is true faith. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and also available on iTunes by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, are you interested in learning more about the Jewish people, their past, their present, their future? Well, Tom Cantor has written a book on the life of Joseph. It's entitled Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History and the Future of the Jewish People Through the Life of Joseph. This is our resource of the month, and this book is available showing you the hope and the pain and the trials and the suffering and exaltation of Joseph in the Old Testament, as well as the Jewish people throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, and also the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Now, if you'd like to obtain a copy of this book, please call us today for this resource of the month. For a $20 or more donation, it'll be yours, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, a $20 or more donation, and get The Life of Joseph. It's an incredible book from Tom Cantor, showing the life of Joseph and paralleling it with Joseph, the Jewish people, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Get your copy of this book, $20 or more donation, at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org, to our online bookstore, and you can search for The Life of Joseph. And again, that's 800-247-3051 or friendshipwithgod.org for our online bookstore. And you can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. And of course, our Summer Blitz campaign that's going on with Jewish evangelism. Donate one time or monthly at friendshipwithgod.org or call us today for more information, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis 1, three things that are important, not to make God mad, to make God happy, and to take God seriously, and how that is true faith. And it furthermore says that whosoever is not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Exactly. Now, so what is the second death? It's to be cast into the lake of fire. The second death is to be cast into the lake of fire. What's the first death? The first death is an event, right? Because there is a T-O-D time of death. They write it down. They'll write it down for you, maybe. Anyway, they'll write it down. It's the time of death, right? Because it is an event. Okay. But the second death is not an event. It is a state. It is a state that lasts for how long? Forever. The first death is an event that lasts for how long? In a moment, right? This is the time of of death. This is when the first death started and the first death ended, and it's right at this time, okay? Giving up the ghost, whatever you want to call it. But the second death is a state that goes on forever, being cast, as it's called, into the lake of fire. Who experiences the second death or is cast into the lake of fire? Who? Unbelievers who are not written in the book of life. So is it important to be written in the book of life? Yeah, maybe, huh? 
<laughs> to avoid the second death, right? That's important. And so now, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. And we also know from Romans 10 and 9, a favorite verse of mine, which says what? And whoever will call on his name of his son, and whoever will believe in his heart that God's raised him from the dead, confess him as Lord. It's just that simple. And that's what God said. And he says, will someone please take me seriously about this? He says, if you just confess... It means you believe that He is your Lord, He is your Savior, believe that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's what God said. And in Acts 2.21 it says, and it says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right. So even though all have sinned, and even though let there be the second death, as a consequence or payment or, or, you know, punishment for sin. And even though none of us have seen literally this lake of fire, by faith we say, and there is a lake of fire. All right? God said, let there be a lake of fire as punishment for sin for those who are not saved as... Uh, as Irene said, the unbelievers, those who are not saved. And, and we say, and there is a lake of fire. And that then, and, and the proof that we're saying there's a lake of fire, that then motivates us. That then spurs us on. So in essence, God has said, also, let there be an open rescue door. An open rescue door for whosoever wants to, to go through that door to be saved from the second death, to be saved from the lake of fire. And let and God said, let that door be my, my son, right? I am the door. By me, if any man enter in here, shall be safe. So you see, he is the door. And God said, let there be a door, an open rescue door. And whoever will call on his name of his son and whoever will believe in his heart that God's raised him from the dead, confess him as Lord and Savior, then let that be the effective open rescue door that saves that person from the lake of fire. That's what God said. And by faith, we say, and there is an open rescue door. And from, that's from the second death. And that door is the Lord Jesus Christ. God said, let everyone be saved from the second death just by confessing and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their God and their Savior and believe he raised him from the dead. And he was raised from the dead. But we don't see him as the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. And we don't see, as we mentioned, the lake of fire. Uh, we don't see something that, 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 that happens to a person when he does that. That maybe he's just taken out of the earth right away. We don't see that. So by faith we say, and the Lord Jesus Christ is God. And he's been raised from the dead. And he saves from sin. You, do you believe that? Ask yourself the question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that let there be a lake of fire and an open rescue door 
to save anyone who simply calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and trusts and confesses him as Lord and Savior, that he's saved? Do you believe that? I mean, you know, I know you're going to say, what do you want me to say? No, I'm going to disagree with God in the Bible. No, no, no. Um, and I'm asking you personally, do you, is that penetrated within you? Is that, a, is that has become so much a core of your being that it's really a part of you? Has your faith said within you, God said, let there be. I read it in the Bible. This is all let there be's. Lots of let there be's. I read all that. But now have you said within yourself, and there is a lake of fire, and there is an effective open rescue door to save anyone who simply calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, trusts and confesses him as God and Savior. You believe that? Has your faith said that all a lost person has to do is to simply listen to my message, if you're repeating it, my message of salvation, which comes from God, and trust and confess the Lord Jesus Christ as God and Savior to be saved from the lake of fire. Then let me ask you, if you really believe that, and you really said that inside of yourself, think back now on last week, was there at least one soul, just one, who you knew that if he died, he would be cast into the lake of fire. And last week, you told that person how he could be saved. Think about that, how he could be saved. or Just one lost soul that you encouraged to go through the open rescue door that God has made. And then if you really believe that, think back on last week and ask yourself the question, was there at least one lost soul that you prayed for to be saved from this lake of fire last week? Just one lost soul. You know, there was a man named Bill Jones. And Bill, Bill worked in a, a factory during the Second World War. And Bill was a Christian. He was a Christian. And he used to take his lunch break with, with the other guys. And, and uh, one day he sat down for lunch and the other guys were talking. And the other guys were, were, they were, had a, a, a discussion on how all Christians are hypocrites. And that was the topic of their discussion. How Christians are hypocrites. And they were saying some really harsh things against Christians and how they were just hypocrites. And finally... Bill couldn't take it any longer. And so he had just was fed up. He had enough. And so he got up and he said in front of his co-workers, now look, men, you've been saying some pretty harsh things against Christians. Now I admit that there are hypocrites in the church, but I just want you men to know that there are a lot of sincere Christians and I myself very humbly claim to be one of them. I sincerely believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And so that was all he wanted to say. And now Bill was ready to sit down when one of his co-workers said, oh, just a minute, Bill. I just have a couple of questions for you. Bill said, okay. The man said, Bill, I take it from what you just said that you believe what the Bible says. And you believe it to be the word of God. Is that right, Bill? Bill says, I certainly do. And uh, that means, Bill, you believe it from cover to cover, Bill? I do believe it from cover to cover. Well, Bill, uh, do you also believe that God answers prayer? The man asked him. Bill said, 
Yes, I do believe God answers prayer, and I have many answers to prayer that God has done for me in the past. Then the man said, well then, Bill, you must believe that all men outside of Christ are lost, and they're on their way to uh, this lake of fire, this darkness. And Bill says, yes, I do. I believe that. Well, Bill, let me ask you, do you think that most of us men here right now are outside of Christ and we're lost? And Bill said, yes, boys, I'm sorry to say that I do believe that. And he said, Bill, how long have you worked here with us? Bill said, about four years. So, Bill, let me ask you, how many times in the last four years since you worked here have you spent a night in prayer for us lost guys? How many? Well, Bill thought about it a while. He dropped his head and says, I'm sorry, boys, but I can't say that I ever remember spending a night in prayer for you. Okay, okay, Bill, that's fine. Now, Bill, let me just ask you another question. Think back again over the last four years, and we don't need an exact number, just about. About how many times have you spent praying a half an hour for us guys here? Bill, again, dropped his head and says, sorry, guys, he says, I can't ever remember spending a half hour praying for you. Oh, okay, okay, Bill, we'll, 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 we'll take your word for that. And let me just ask you the last question. Just quickly now, add up the time during the last few weeks that you've spent praying for us here at the factory. And now Bill hung his head and he said, I'm sorry, fellas. I can't say that I've really spent any time praying for you over the last few weeks. The co-worker said, well, Bill, that's just the kind of hypocrisy we've been talking about. Bill just sat down. He was ashamed because he knew they were right. That was an embarrassing day for Bill. That was a tough day. Put yourself in that picture. Put yourself in that picture. Picture your, 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 your lost co-workers. Picture your lost family members. Picture your lost friends. And if you were there, and what if they asked you, how much time have you spent in the last year praying for us if you believe we're going to hell? Put yourself in that picture. Picture your, 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 your lost co-workers. Picture your lost family members. Picture your lost friends. And if you were there, and what if they asked you, how much time have you spent in the last year praying for us if you believe we're going to hell? If you believe we're going to be cast into a lake of fire, how much time? What if they said that to you? You know what Peter calls us? Peter calls us a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood priesthood. He says, you are a royal priesthood. That's what he calls us. What does a priest do? Two things. A priest teaches. We see that in uh, Nehemiah and uh, Ezra. Priest taught the people the word of God. They teaches and a priest represents men to God. A priest is a praying person. The job of a priest is to pray. Now, if you're like Bill and you have to say, and I've been there too, and you know, Say, well, I'm guilty of the sin of prayerlessness. Change it. Change it today. Now, let's look at another passage here. Luke 16. Luke 16. Luke 16, verse 27. Now, uh, kind of jump in the middle of this uh, Luke 16 passage. Very important about, this is, this is not a parable. This is not a parable. This is an, an accurate account Because this does not say the kingdom of heaven is like unto, or here's a parable. It's telling you what actually has happened. And it's talking about 
two people dying, the rich man and Lazarus. This, this rich Jewish man is now in hell, and he lifts up his eyes in torments. It's a horrible thing. And, but what's interesting is what the rich uh, man says. It's revealing. Because he's asking Abraham to do something. What is it? Then he said, verse 27, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him, who? Lazarus. Send him to my father's house. Why? For I have five brethren, I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest what? They come unto this place of torment. See what the rich man's asking? The rich man's saying, send him. Send Lazarus to testify that he may come into this, that they don't come to this place of torment. Every person in hell today that has relatives that are still alive is wanting you and me to go and testify to them so that they don't come to that place of torment. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I don't mind going to hell because all my friends are going to be there. Have you ever heard that? You know what these verses tell us? That ain't so. That ain't so. These verses are telling us that those in hell are saying just the opposite. They're saying, I don't let them come here. It's so terrible. Don't let them come here to this place, what he calls torment. So let's not be guilty of the sin of not testifying or telling people how to go through the open rescue door so that they don't go to this place of torment. So now, if you'd have to say like Bill, I'm sorry, I'm guilty of the sin of prayerlessness, change it. Change it today. Make a list of just five lost souls. That's all. Just five. Just think. I know five lost souls. Maybe it's from your family. Maybe it's your friends. Just five lost souls. Or whoever God brings you in contact with and brings to your mind. And let me suggest, make the list and promise to pray for them every day. And pray for them every day. And then maybe God will put more on the list. But don't start with so much. That's what they always told us in diet class. Don't take on more than you can handle. That's my problem. I never took on more I can handle. No, anyway. But um, five. Just five souls. And be a faithful priest for those five souls. You know, there's a wonderful statement that's made about David. I want you to turn to it. Acts 13, 36. It's a wonderful statement about David. It's a great statement. Oh, that it should be like this for each one of us. Acts 13, 36. Okay. 13, 36. You got it? All right. Very good. This is here. uh, This is Paul preaching. And he comes to the, the life of David and he makes a... Uh, the kind of statement that would be appropriate for David's tombstone. This would be appropriate for David's tombstone. Because here's what it says. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on a sleep. Think about that. Would you like that on your tombstone? I would. I want that on my tombstone. Have you ever thought that as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you're on an assignment to serve your generation by the will of God? You are here to serve your generation by the will of God. That's your goal. That's your God-given goal. God has not brought you into that job just to make money. Oh, no. 
He has a much higher purpose for you to be there. You are to serve in that workplace, that generation, by the will of God, praying for the lost there as a priest, as a royal priest, for starters. God has not brought you into that lost family for no purpose. No. God chose that family for you so that you could serve that family by praying for them. Serve them by praying for them. So you commit to God to serve the people that God has put you in contact with in your generation. And you pray for them every day. Start today. You willing to say that? Oh God, I confess to you prayerlessness. And from this day, I will serve my family. I will serve my friends. I will serve my co-workers by the will of God. And I'm going to start by first faithfully praying for them. And then I will faithfully bring the gospel to them. Now maybe you're saying, okay, but the gospel for my uncle, oh, you don't know my uncle. Or my cousin, oh, you don't know my cousin. No way. No way that they're, they're like the Antichrist, you might say that. It's impossible. What can we do? Well, we need a point of faith. In Genesis 1-2, there was an impossible situation. You know what Genesis 1-2 says? There was an impossible situation. You know what it was? It was darkness. It was a darkness. It's impossible, the darkness. When you look at your family and your friends and your co-workers, you may say it's impossible. Think of this darkness as an impossible situation. So now you stare at the darkness and you say, maybe there's some light in that darkness, and if I stare long enough, maybe it'll disappear because the light will spontaneously start. That's not going to happen. There's no light in the darkness. It's impossible. Or you might say, well, if I just sit here and think about the light enough, you know, it'll just appear. In a, that's not going to happen. What happened for the darkness to be dispelled and the light came? What happened? A miracle. God. The answer, God. That what happened? God happened. God said. God commanded. Okay? He said. He commanded. That's what happened. And that's how it all came, 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 went away. Because that's when he said it, that's when he said it. 2 Corinthians 4.6. All right? 2 Corinthians 4.6. Here's the, here's, here's the part of hope for us. Is there hope that the darkness will turn into light? No. Is there hope that this light will just sort of like happen? No. 2 Corinthians 4.6. The hope is... God. The hope was, when there was darkness, God said, let there be light. The hope is, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined into our hearts and will shine into the hearts of others. Also, to give the light. What light? The knowledge of God. The knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. So, what, why do we pray for the lost? Oh God, just like you did in Genesis there, like you commanded the light to shine in the impossible situation of darkness. Oh God, we've got an impossible situation of the darkness of my uncle, my cousin, whatever. Oh God, command the light to shine into the darkness. What light? The light of the knowledge of God. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face 
of Jesus Christ. Like the face of Moses when he came down off the mount and no one could look at him. Why? The glory of God was coming from his face. The glory of God comes from the face. No man has seen the Father at any time, but the Son who hath revealed him. Right? The law came by Moses, but, but um, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So we preach Christ. We speak about Christ. We faithfully bring the Lord Jesus Christ to our lost friends, our lost family. Why? And as we're bringing that, we are praying, Oh God, command the light to shine in the darkness. I don't have hope in this person. I don't have hope in that darkness. I don't even hope that light will just somehow come. I have hope in you. When you commanded the light to shine in darkness, I have hope in you to command the light to shine in the darkness of this person's life. That's why I pray. That's why I'm a priest. You got it? That's it. So that's why it's so vitally important. Our hope is God. We pray to God. The problem is darkness. The solution is God commanding the light to shine in the face of Jesus Christ. That's why we preach Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for for your power and to command, and it was so, for your goodness, because you did send the light. Lord, and we just want to just not make you mad, make you happy, take you seriously, faithfully serve our generation, praying for them, bringing the gospel to them. Help us to be and to do as you would please. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program. If you enjoy this Old Testament Bible teaching radio program, you can support us by going to friendshipwithgod.org and donating online or again calling us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor has partnered to provide free gospel materials to you, Jewish resources that you can give to your lost Jewish friend or that you can have sent to your lost Jewish friend. You can sign up and use the online form for having that mailed to you or to them by going to friendshipwithgod.org and clicking on that free gift to be sent to them. Now, if you can't get online, you can always call us at 800-247-3051. We'll be able to take your phone call and assist you with any needs you have. 800-247-3051. 3051 or go online to donate at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org thanks for listening